0: everybody. I'm Tyler Suders with the Consumer Technology Association. We are the owners and the producers of CES, the largest, the most influential tech event in the world. We are here to help you get CES ready. The show is January 7th through the 10th, 2020 in Las Vegas, as always. And today we are taking a deep dive into C space at CES. This is where the world's innovators, creatives, marketers all come together in one place. At C-Space, you'll find disruptive trends, how the future of brand marketing is changing, and entertainment is evolving through technology. Eighty-seven percent of the Fortune 100 will be at C-Space. You can experience new technologies that are changing how consumers behave, learn from leaders in content creation, the major studios will be there as well, and of course, top advertising firms at keynotes, at panels, maybe even conversations that you get to start in a hallway. So today, along those lines, two guests. We're going to dive in both of these brands you will know well. First of all, WPP, a world leader in communications, commerce, technology. This is a global entity that is modernizing the industry in its own words, and it's helped pioneer data application, to communications but also the consolidation of media buys and strategies so a wide-ranging conversation with WPP also maybe I should just say the brand Facebook Ty Ahmad Taylor from Facebook is joining us to talk about the intersection of content advertising marketing creation entertainment all of that is coming up on this edition of CES Tech Talk Joining us now from Facebook is Ty Ahmad taylor He is vice president of product marketing there. And Ty, it's great to have you with us today. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. What a terrific vantage point you have at Facebook uh, to identify the trends in the advertising industry today. Uh, Can you give us an overview of of what you're seeing and and especially Facebook's leadership really in, in that position? Sure. As many other pundits have
1: stated, uh, the trends that we're seeing in the industry today are that we're operating in an attention economy. And in an attention economy, businesses want to meet people where they're spending their time or where they're spending attention. And so from our perspective, we're interested not just in the connection between people and businesses, but the meaningful connection between people and businesses. And we'll continue to create sort of new, delightful, easy ways for businesses
0: and people to connect where they're spending their time. So looking ahead to the, to the, I guess you'd say, medium future, Ty, what are you seeing in the next five years, let's say, in the advertising sector? This is rapidly evolving, maybe as quickly as any other aspect of the innovation and technology economy right now.
1: Sure. I think historically uh, advertising has been about uh, either television or print spots. In the next five years, I think it will evolve towards that stories, which is a 9 by 16 video format, video in general, but on mobile and, and handheld devices, and then new emerging platforms like augmented reality and messaging. And we're going to keep investing in those experiences so that brands can tell their stories, but more importantly, build communities around the things that they deem to be important. And the way that we're going to do that specifically is by taking the formats and adding incremental or even greater interactivity. So things like polling... Augmented reality ads where you can place a piece of furniture in your home before you buy it, or where you can try on makeup before you buy the makeup, and then things like playable ads where you can actually play a video game directly within the the mobile interface of of the app that you're using without having to go out to understand what the experience feels like. And so these are big ideas that are happening not just within marketing, but it's the broader canvas of brands and marketers want to be involved in culture. And not not at culture, but they really want to map to people's interests. And so we're looking to create these tighter connections between interest and culture and then brands that want to touch upon them.
0: So when you talk about uh, an innovative element of technology, uh, and augmented reality is one that you just touched on, Ty, to what extent is consumer behavior driving your direction? And the other side of that equation is to what extent is Facebook uh, leading and pulling consumers along with you as as the technological evolution continues and we all become better suited, more adapted, more familiar with emerging technologies in our everyday lives?
1: Sure. It, what, what's interesting is the trend where people are spending more time in on, you know, on their individual phones. But what we're seeing in terms of trends is that people also want to connect with the people around them and, and people around the world more directly. And so one of the things that, that we're, Taking advantage of with regards to that trend is what we call social watching, which is actually, you know, uh, watching video at the same time. And we're, we're, we're enabling that feature on, our, on Facebook Watch. And through that, advertisers are able to reach sort of harder to find audiences um, as well. And so to date, we actually have found we have over 720 million people around the world watching Watch every single month. And we know that people are expecting to connect directly within their experiences, even though they might be on a mobile phone more. And so our, our goal is to be the top source of growth for marketers and partners every step of the way so that
0: they can remain connected, as I mentioned earlier, to culture. Uh, that number you mentioned in terms of the millions, tie is hard to get your mind around if you're not dealing with it every day. Maybe more so if you are dealing with it every day. But to what does that speak to uh, the premium that Facebook places on consumer... Uh, experience. I mean, you can't, that has to be a priority if you have numbers that large and you're driving growth year over year. And then ancillary to that, what's advertising's place in that consumer experience?
1: Sure. Well, one of the trends that we've seen when we think about the consumer experience is a shift from the historical mode of it being a, a town hall. What people are looking for now is for it to be a little more tightly connected and much more private. So we've seen a shift in consumer behavior from the town hall to more of a living room experience, and you know who's in your living room, you're unclear about who's in the town hall. We we don't suggest that it's a binary change. People are going to always be interested in public social networks, and, and our feed is an example of that, but we're seeing the future of communications is really shifting towards private encrypted services because of people are interested in sort of those private aspects. And so... One of the ways that that's being captured for both businesses and for for people on the platform is through the format that I mentioned earlier, which is Stories. So Stories is a 9 by 16 vertical video format with an interactive layer on top of it. And we've seen massive adoption of of that effort across our family. So if you include Facebook and Messenger as a unit, WhatsApp as a unit, and Instagram as a unit, each one of those units has over half a billion people every single day interacting with the Stories platform on on the three separate services. And over three million businesses today are using that platform to then connect with people on the platform
0: directly in a format where they're spending immense amounts of time. Yeah, and I'm sitting here, Ty, once again, just shaking my head when you, when you share numbers of that size in terms of engagement and, and influence. Um, you refer to the Facebook, and I'm air-quoting family, <laughs> um, portfolio would be another word that, that describes it. But Facebook, uh, your Messenger uh, application, Instagram as well. Uh, is this all one advertising ecosystem or do you treat each of these individually as, as, as separate entities that that come together at times and there's some crossover
1: So when we think about our portfolio of Facebook, Instagram and Messenger and how they work together as a single ecosystem we want to make it easier for for advertisers to talk to the combined community in a way that makes sense again we're interested in meaningful connections at the right time in the right place in the right region directly between businesses and people on the platform. And so for advertisers, we have a single product, which is called Ad Manager, and businesses large and small can go into Ad Manager, construct a campaign, and then have that campaign delivered across Facebook and Instagram and Messenger. We don't have ads in WhatsApp today. And in so doing, it touches upon my earlier notion of reaching the right people at the right time in the right place. And so we've made that easier and will continue to make improvements on making that easier for businesses large and small to create these meaningful connections. Uh,
0: In terms of ease of use, Ty, one-stop shop, is that fair to describe uh, Facebook's role within the advertising and media space? Well, with with regards to our properties, yes. And we also allow for advertising off of Facebook using something called Audience Network, which allows people to tap into properties that are not Facebook-owned, but they're um, uh, Facebook-vetted. and they provide additional uh, liquidity to use a, a term of industry that allows people to reach audiences even off of Facebook if they wish. Mm-hmm. Um, turning ahead to, to what lies ahead in CES 2020, um, Ty, you've been to a number of shows uh, for a number of companies. Um, you always have an interesting take on, on the show and, and and what you see uh emerging and what you pull out of it, your takeaway each year. Um, what are you thinking about for CES 2020? What has you most excited about what you're expecting there? So
1: um, one of the things that I'm most excited about in terms of CES in 2020 is, is I would say, commerce in a connected world, which is essentially the, the need to create experiences that are both relevant, personal, and seamless. So we all see ads but all ads are a front door to a commerce experience or or to a buying experience. We're deeply dedicated to making sure that you see the most relevant ads that are are important to your experience. I, I, for example, should never see ads for something that's not a sedan because I'm not going to buy anything but a sedan, but other people are going to buy trucks and some other people might buy SUVs. We're we're deeply invested in in that sort of uh, personalization. But the next step is the actual ability to Get the good or the service that the, that the marketer is putting forth directly within the ad unit and that lowers the steps for conversion for the consumer though by getting them closer to the cultural or experiential things that they that they desire and it's better for the marketer because it reduces the number of steps that consumers have to go through to get the products that, that that the that the, that the, that the that people around the world have deemed to be important to them Closing that gap is something that I'm really excited about and and, and witnessing at CES in 2020 as people offer products and services and and try and, you know, reduce the number of steps that people have to consuming them. Mm -hmm. And so as a former entrepreneur, the thought of like empowering all businesses of all sizes to better understand and transact with their customers at scale, that's that's really exciting. Uh,
0: Time for a pro tip or several as has uh, someone who's experienced so many so many versions of CES. You've got a few hours free at C-Space, no agenda, no schedule. What do you do? Where do you go? What are you seeking there? So I,
1: I, I really am interested in sort of uh, the next wave. You, you know, I, 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 I participated in startups and I participated in really large companies. And, you know, the opportunities for both are vast. I'm having nothing to do with Facebook. It, it's just a matter of uh, solving, solving consumer problems is sort of my view. So from the Facebook perspective, the consumer problem in my view that we solve is connecting people and strengthening communities. But I'm always interested in, in other people's ideas about what they deem to be important to, 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 to the, to consumers around the world in terms of making their lives better. And so I always like to use sort of the smallest companies and understand the problems that they're trying to solve and their view of the market.
0: So that's what I'm really excited about. Yeah, here we are talking about C-Space, but you're pointing to Eureka Park in some senses, right? Where the (laughs) home of the entrepreneurs and startups from around the world. That's right.
1: I I didn't want to undermine your question,
0: but (laughs) yes. Ty, my questions get undermined all the time on this podcast. There's no concern there. Um, Ty (laughs) Ahmad-Taylor is not only an expert at this point on C-Space at CES, he is Vice President of product marketing at Facebook. Ty, always a fascinating conversation. We will see you soon in Las Vegas. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to it. Joining us now from WPP is Stefan Pretorius. He is CTO there. And Stefan, I know you may be a bit jet-lagged with all your global travels, but thanks for taking time with us today.
2: Good morning, Tyler. Very nice to be here.
0: Uh, Let's start, first of all, with with your position at WPP. Uh, CTO, this is a relatively new position there. Uh, Why did WPP go in that direction, and and what is it that that is your real missive there as CTO?
2: Well, so I think the, the way to understand um, the, the reason why we, we thought we needed a chief technology office in WPP is is really um, not because technology is new in marketing. Um, you know, we've been using technology and software in marketing for many, many years, um, probably since the, the later 80s and early 90s, um, but... You know, as we were looking to transform our business um, when our new CEO, Mark Reed, took over last year, um, we realized that we really wanted to, to bring creativity and technology to the heart of what WPP does. And so, um, you know, we thought it would be important to, to have someone who looks after the overall technology strategy, um, who looks after how we partner with large companies like Google and Facebook and Amazon, um, and also helps to build the capability of how our people in our agencies use technology in their everyday work.
0: So you just dropped three global giant names in terms of of some of the major technology companies you work with. Um, Let's talk about that and and how technology is is aiding them and how this partnership looks for WPP and the companies you name, Google, Facebook, Amazon.
2: Well, you know, I think the um, if we read the analyst press about the advertising industry, there's this kind of um, very lazy myth that um, people like like Facebook and Google are disintermediating agencies and are making our role in the ecosystem less relevant. Um, and I think it's you know it's a very it's a very incorrect analysis and it's frankly um, not reflected in reality. So you know, today virtually all the large technology companies in the world are large clients of WPP. Google, um, specifically, is WPP's second largest client by revenue, Um, and we work with many other companies um, in the space um, in order to provide them with ideas, with consumer insights, um, with creative campaigns, um, and even marketing operations. But the the other way to think about it is that um, all those companies are also, um, in their own regards, um, media platforms. And so we spend an enormous amount of money of our clients, our other clients' money on platforms like Google and Facebook and Amazon, Snap, Twitter, etc. And so we are very large clients of theirs um, in terms of spending media money with um, with their uh, with their platforms. And then. A third dimension of our relationship is that all those companies are also um, platform companies, software companies, cloud computing companies, and we use their software and their cloud um, infrastructure to deliver technology solutions for our clients and also to build differentiated marketing technology products um, that make the work that we do for our clients more
0: differentiated. So let's go down that road a little bit, Stefan and um, what you're seeing trend wise in the industry right now within advertising. And I'd imagine working with, with, with clients like those you just named who are at, you know, really the bleeding edge of of the technology that's available uh there's a an an onus on you at wpp to really come up with sharp enough ideas and guidance to match your level of understanding and sap
2: that's correct and i I think you know the, the the thing that we really focus on is the the intersection between creativity and technology we don't believe that um we can do our jobs well if we only rely on technology. But we do know that we can do our jobs much better if we augment our people's creative capabilities with technology. And so, you know, one of the big themes that we have um, is really this kind of idea that that AI is, is everywhere in marketing today. Um, And, you know, I mean, AI is a massive buzzword. There are many companies that sort of, you know, um, uh, sort of position their entire valuation on the fact that they've got AI inside their products. But but in reality, it's a bit like the mobile revolution. You know, it didn't happen for many years, and then suddenly everything was mobile. Um, You know, it's a bit like that with AI. People were buzzing and hyping it for many years. And, you know, today, if you look at the tools that that we use to do enterprise marketing, it's got AI everywhere. You know, so, uh, some examples of that, if you look at um, Adobe's Creative Cloud, for instance, virtually every new breakthrough feature that's coming out in Creative Cloud um, is AI-driven. Um, if you went to Adobe Max um, last week, for instance, um, you would have seen that you, you know uh, virtually the entire platform is being um, re and innovated through AI. Now, similarly, we use AI in our own products to optimize um, media campaigns and advertising campaigns. So, you use machine learning in order to, to optimize the the placement of media, the timing of it, the creative that's being used, um, and even the offers within that within that advertising, and then we use AI, particularly um, neural networks, to do predictive analytics. To do things like, for instance, predict um, flu outbreaks um, much faster than you know companies could do so in the past, in order to to time their shopper marketing much more effectively. So I think that's sort of the first theme for me is that that you know AI is is everywhere in marketing today and it's real and it's making a real difference in terms of how we uh, we are delivering for clients. Well, that
0: sounds um, a little bit like what, what, would, that sounds a little bit like what we see on uh, the show floor at CES, Stefan, in that AI appears everywhere but you know uh, when you get down into yeah. the what that means there are manifestations of ai at you know uh, an enormous spectrum of realities if that's a fair way to put it that is that some are market ready yeah. and and doing excellent work already other applications need a great deal of development or brilliant ideas but it's going to take time for them to come to to the marketplace or really make a distinct difference is after you've gone through the predictive analytics aspect of AI, which, which is in play very much right now in your field, what is something that is maybe not yet ready for prime time that is AI-driven that really has you excited?
2: I think the the by far the most um, interesting kind of emerging area, um, which I think will be a revolutionary in creative industries in the future, that's not quite there yet, um, is in the, the generative AI area. So, effectively using um, AI to create new content, and and there are a couple of examples of that which are you know emerging and, and really interesting. So. There's this entire area of, of generative adversarial networks um, and using style transfer or style GANs. So where you effectively using the style of an existing image um, to create new images in the same style. So you could paint like a Renoir. You could you know, um, take, a, for instance, an original Warhol and create a new one um, based on, on a style transfer um, AI so that that is interesting because that's that's sort of available today. But I think this idea that AI can actually generate net new creative output um is particularly interesting. I mean, if you're seeing it in synthetic models or you know. Um, more pejoratively, um, you know, deep fakes,
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> so the ability to
2: effectively create artif- <laughs> the ability to create artificial people um, and um, out of a composite of existing people, the ability to to very subtly change the, the way that models look in, um, in creative executions to be more personalized to the viewer. So there's some, there's some very interesting kind of experimental areas of, of generative content, which um, you know I don't think the results are quite consistent or stable enough for people to use it commercially, but it's definitely coming.
0: Uh, you were starting to dive in on uh, a second trend that, that, that you're seeing in the marketplace right now. And Stefan, I don't want to lose, lose that thread uh, because we could spend half an hour just on AI. So, so take the other direction, if you would, please, with, with, with how else technology is, is shaping your sector right now.
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, and I think this is sort of partly a, a business model trend and, and partly a technology trend. But I think the, you know, if you think back a couple of years and, you know, when digital advertising started, there was this sort of notion that, um, you know, the way that you advertise across multiple websites would become more standardized. And, you know, you'd have this this enormous ecosystem of, of websites that you could, you know, kind of um, publish advertising to. Um, but the, the reality of where it's all played out is that um, the big platforms have become you know, inc- increasingly what they call walled gardens. So they become more shut from from each other mm-hmm. um, your our ability as advertisers and brands to um, to target our consumers across those platforms is becoming increasingly limited um, and our ability to track um, the impact of of the advertising we do on those platforms in a completely um, you know sort of uh, accurate way is also becoming limited and you know, the, the reason for that is sort of numerous, I guess. The one is that there's increasing the regulation and, and pressure on those companies to to be um, privacy safe and to have security around their customer data. But the other part of it is just that, um, you know, frankly, um, you know, they're sort of disincentivized from from opening up to each other because it, it creates um, artificial barriers to entry. And so I think the you know the world that we live in today is is a is a very complex one for a brand that wants to to reach scaled audiences across the world you know you effectively have to work separately with a number of large partners you know in China it's you know Baidu Alibaba and Tencent in other parts of the world it's sort of the fangs um, but you, you know, we, we're in a in a situation where we need to use technology in order to um, to try and address audiences consistently across these multiple walled gardens in a way that we didn't have to do, you know, five or ten years ago. Mm-hmm. And so I think this is sort of a an interesting interesting kind of trend because where advertising and, and media companies were really pushing very hard on, on one-to-one targeting and being able to create a single view of the customer and to be able to identify consumers across platforms. Um, that is increasingly not possible. And I think we a little bit going back to to more kind of um, you know scaled models of, of planning and attribution, that really look at things at a far more macro level as opposed to the individual one-on-one level.
0: Mm-hmm. So this is an industry that right now, with its tech-enabled uh, success, is changing at, at a lightning rate of speed, right? Um, I'd imagine CES yeah. is a key element for you to, to talk to these companies, these innovators, these market leaders, um, in a single space. Uh, C-Space is, is the proper name for it. Um, what exactly do you... And WPP uh, have planned for CES 2020, Stefan, in terms of the engagement, the presence, uh, the takeaway you're looking for.
2: Yeah, and CES is one of our, our key annual events. You know, we we sort of have a a couple of of, of landmark or kind of milestone events throughout the year. You know, um, on the one hand, in the summer we do you know big events in Cannes, uh, south of France. The weather's slightly better, and the you know the um, the beach is slightly nicer than Las Vegas. Um, but the other one is CES, and then in January. And then I'd say those are kind of the the, the two um, largest events that we commit to every year in terms of of um, you know um, uh, participation and also. Um, you know, kind of uh, client contacts, um, but we also use CS really kind of as a way to connect with our partners. And so we do, um, you know, enormous number of business meetings with our, our key technology partners. Um, I'd, I'd also say that CS for us is a really important place to um, to understand the the ecosystem and to understand trends in technology. So you know, increasingly we have we do an enormous amount of work in what we call connected ecosystems. So really, product and service design that look at you know, electronic products that um, that can kind of connect and bridge the digital and physical worlds. And, you know, personally I always find C E S enormously rich in terms of of, you know, spotting things that people are coming up with, new innovations that can help us to accelerate that work for our clients. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a it's a congregation of talent and and a, a you know, frankly, a place to meet all and you know all your your colleagues and partners um, and clients, um, but it's also very much a kind of a learning environment and uh, and a rich exchange of ideas of, of innovation.
0: Uh, well, Stefan, I apologize for ending on a hypothetical, but ninety seven percent of your time at CES twenty twenty is there at C Space talking to the advertisers, the media companies, the entertainment sector, the marketing CMOs who are are involved there, you have 3% of your time to spend at one other section at CES in terms of a technology vertical. Where are you going and what are you most looking forward to seeing?
2: Um, I think it would probably have to be the... um the healthcare um, exhibits. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm personally very passionate about um, you know digital health or you know digitally enabled health um, outcomes. Um, we have a number of clients in the space, so you know there's clearly kind of a commercial need, but it's also a big passion of, of mine personally. And I always find the the amount of of net new innovation in this space to be to be off the chart. So you know, of course, there's five G. Of course, there's screens. Um, you know, of course, there's self driving cars and everything else. Um, but I think the connected health area for me is is super exciting and, and particularly how we, we starting to embed, um, intelligence into, um, into end user products, um, you know, to improve people's lives. That would be my, that would be the the, the one thing I focus on.
0: Yeah. Digital health is a, is a great place to be. And that is purely hypothetical because I'm quite sure 100% of your time will be spent in C space talking ad tech and, uh, (laughs) and everything we touched on in the last (laughs) 15 minutes.
2: That's actually not. That is actually not true. I, I make a point every year, once all my meetings are done and everyone else has gone gone, gone home, to spend a, a, you know at least a day going through all the all the exhibition floors myself on my own time. Um, I find it a, a massively useful, useful you know um, <laughs> way to spend a day. So yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll make I'll make a point of doing that again this year.
0: Uh, a flattering <laughs> endorsement, Stefan. I appreciate it. Uh, Stefan <laughs> Pretorius is the Chief Technology Officer. At globally known WPP. And Stefan, looking forward to seeing you in just a few months at CES 2020. Cool. Thank you, Tyler. Have a good day. Okay, coming up next time on CES Tech Talk, one of our favorite topics it is Eureka Park at CES, the home for startups. More than 1,200 startups for CES 2020.
1: There weren't many vending machines that were targeting. Uh, consumer retail products like they do in, like, say, Japan or China, where you can buy almost anything from a vending machine.
0: That is next time on CES Tech Talk. We are here to help you get CES ready. So, do yourself a favor subscribe to this Tech Talk podcast. That way, you won't miss any episodes. And hey, download the CES app. This is important information you need to build your own agenda, find your favorite exhibitors, even seek out the speakers and the panel sessions you want to make sure you see while you're at CES 2020. Again, that is the CES app. Now, the show is CES 2020, January 7th through the 10th in Las Vegas. More information is at ces.tech. And none of this podcast is even remotely possible without the true stars here, our executive producer, Tina Anthony. And our senior studio engineer, John Lindsay, you all are the best in the business. I'm Tyler Suters. Let's talk tech again soon.